Hey y'all, I'm Jimmy Carroll, and you probably know me from MTV's longest running show, The Challenge. Buckle up and get ready for this unfiltered podcast because I'm covering everything from my time on MTV to pop culture to what happens when you stop being polite and start getting real. Listen to Just Jim wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Confused Breakfast Podcast. Do you remember the pure joy of a trip to the video rental store as a kid? I do. It's hard to beat the ease of the modern era and streaming platforms where you don't even have to leave your house. I do. But there was something truly special about leaving your Little League baseball game to head to Blockbuster to pick out a movie by hand and watch when you got home. On this podcast, we revisit and dissect some of our favorite childhood movies from that magical era to see if they still move us the way they did as kids. I'm your host, Mike Schulte. Joining me as always, two dudes who love baseball and ASMR, Sean Pryor and AJ Vens. How the heck are you? How'd you know? Yeah, buddy. Because you love this movie and you love when they're whispering if you stuff. Take, if you take a baseball, whatever that's made out of, right? Yep. And you just, you've got like long fingernails and you tap on it, I'll fall asleep. Five minutes. I hate it. Yeah. If you hold a baseball up to your ear, you can heal, hear the field of dreams. That's right. Did That's you know right. That? We never. We should talk about that. We should talk about that more. We talk about that. Yeah. Well, boys, on today's episode, we discuss one of the best baseball movies of all time, <laughs> a movie starring the good version of Kevin Costner. Yeah. Thank God. That was nominated for three Oscars. We are inside the house where this movie was filmed right now. We are, of course, talking about 1989's Field of Dreams. Well, damn, dang it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another nostalgic journey to the past with the Confused Breakfast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy wherever you are in the world. Take it away, boys. Well, if you are new to this podcast, we're going to be reviewing Field of Dreams scene by scene with a modern eye. That's me. But in order to do that properly, we must first discuss it with pure nostalgia. Start with you, AJ. Uh-oh. Tell us the first time you saw this movie, what your thoughts were and what your nostalgic rating is was. We live about an hour and a half away from the Field of Dreams. And I remember my my dad bringing me back a baseball from the Field of Dreams in from the little souvenir stand that was yep, here. The old one. And it was in like a it was in a plastic baseball box. Like, you know, the, the clear baseball box, um, beforehand, I had seen pieces and parts of field of dreams. And I just thought it was, I was, I was enamored by very few parts. And then the rest of it, I was like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. (laughs) So, uh, this, this movie was made the year I was born by the time I watched it. It wasn't a huge thing to me gotcha. necessarily. So I will tell you right now that this movie, growing up, that baseball is a saving grace. So that's going to allow me to give it a 5.8. 5.8. Sean, what about you, man? All right. Yeah, pretty much kind of similar. I grew up with this movie. We watched it all the time in my household. I remember coming here to the old souvenir uh, stand that they had, mm-hmm. and I got a mini Field of Dreams bat for like the little kids. And uh, yeah, I remember James Earl Jones. I remember my mom like telling me that's the voice of Darth Vader. <sighs> oh, or yeah, your or, mom just ruins movies. She, she does. Just, <laughs> just, like, 
say Harrison Ford's hot and that's Darth Vader. Yeah. You know? And then, uh, thanks. Yeah. She was like, yeah, obviously that's the blind guy in uh, Sandlot and everything. And <laughs> thanks mom. But thanks. I mean, you know, like it's, someone's got to be that blind. person and I got it out early. <laughs> um, I, I was kind of like AJ also in the fact that, um, I was like, Oh, it's Iowa and that's where I'm from. Uh, but I don't really understand it. Who's the old guy he's talking to? I don't really know. I don't really care. Um, so five, <laughs> 5.2 for me, I'm going to say. 5.2. Oh. Uh, boys, I definitely saw this as a kid. Didn't think much of it. But then my family moved in 1995 to Iowa from St. Louis, Missouri. And I think I've told this story before. We moved it. We moved in like April. So we didn't have enough time to like make friends at school, me and my brother. Mm. So that summer... Like my mom and dad were forced to do a lot of things for me and Tom just to be like, yeah. we got to go on adventures because you have no friends right now. And we're sorry we moved you to shitty Iowa. This place sucks. Yes. And this one of the sucks. trips, one of the trips we did was we drove up to the Field of Dreams and walked around and checked the sites out. I've got a picture of me with a butt cut and like probably nice. some Jinko jeans on. <laughs> yeah. Going, oh, whatever. On. I can't rollerblade here. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Exactly what it was. Mom, I can't bring my blade. Well, I can't blade the bases. But I do. I do have a fond memory of, of definitely coming here. It is. It's. It's. It's seared into my brain that trip up here. The movies kind of frightened by the ghosts a little bit, like the yeah. ghost voices. This kind this, of this a, a ghost story. Moments in this. Yeah. Not enough actual baseball. I was a huge baseball fan at the time, so I'm going to give it a six point five. Nostalgic. Here you go. Executive producer Josh Miller on the show with us today. He said, I had a tough time choosing this over airplane as my birthday falls on the day the airplane review airs and it's amazing movie. Clearly, I chose baseball. I honestly don't think I saw this in theaters. I can't remember when I saw it for the first time not long after its release. It has easily become one of my most loved movies. Thinking back on it, I don't think I could ever really fully grasp the deeper meaning of the plot, but I knew I loved the overall premise, at least what a 12-year-old could understand. I have seen this movie numerous times, but it's easily been well over five to eight years since my last watch. Kevin Costner had himself a time in the mid-90s, but you guys have discussed this at length. One thing is true, the dude can make baseball movies. Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, and while not nearly as popular, for love of the game might yeah. be his best when strictly talking about baseball. I can hear the collective groans of the confused, reckless listeners. Bull Durham is a way better movie. Bull Durham. Sure, it may be a better movie, but not a better baseball movie. Baseball was my favorite sport, still is. I played a lot of sports as a kid. I played baseball, football, basketball, field events, shot put, javelin. I skied both snow and water, raced motocross, but it always came back to baseball. Oh, jock. Oh, I'm, look at me. Oh, I'm a big tough guy. <laughs> I'd rather play baseball, watch baseball, talk about baseball. I was better at almost all of the above, but baseball was the most fun to me. I want to score this thing really high, but if I compare it to other baseball movies at the time, it probably falls behind because of the nature of the plot and my age group. I really found Angels in the Outfield, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League more fun for me. Yep. And then the more grown-up baseball movies, Major League, A League of Their Own, Mr. Baseball were more exciting. So nostalgically, I'm giving this movie a 7.5. Fellas, that takes us to a 6.25 nostalgically. Eh, that's pretty low. That is tied with the Burbs in the 89th spot. Nostalgic. Uh, nostalgically okay, is where nostalgic. that is talking. I'm just, yeah. I'm just making sure that's nostalgically for the burps. Because the burps is No, we were, we were scared that. of the burps the first time we saw it's it. It's true. It's very scary. true. It was a scary movie. I mean, this, like, like I'm glad you brought that up in your thing, too. Like, it, it is, a, it was kind of frightening. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to strip away all that nostalgia. We're going to give this a modern day rating. So we got to start with Sean. We got to learn all the pertinent, important details of the movie. Sean, what do you got? Produced by Charles and Lawrence Gordon. Based off the book by W.P. Kinsella. Music by James Horner. Cinematography by John Lindsay. Uh, John Lindsay Jr., actually. He actually did uh, uh, a couple cool horror movies. One, Killer Party, was like one of his first movies. It's just like a cheesy, like... 80s sleazy movie that I love. Uh, the Stepfather is a great, it's kind of like uh, the Shia LaBeouf one where he's house ridden. Oh, yeah. House bound. Uh, Transformers. Yeah, like Disturbia. Yeah, Disturbia. It's like that. Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> he also did Father of the Bride, uh, Sneakers, Pleasantville, You've Got Mail, and Mr. Brooks. Why has he got to be so creepy? I don't know. Even You've Got Mail is kind of creepy. Kind of is. Like, it's kind of stalkerish. He fucked over Meg Ryan's life. Oh, yeah. But Ew. she still loves him. Well, at least he's got Tom Hanks. Edited by Ian Crawford and written and directed by Phil Alden Robinson. Cast, Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan. Don't know when she'll be happy again. Gabby Hoffman, Ray Liotta, <laughs> Timothy Bushfield, Burt Lancaster, Frank Whaley, Dwyer Brown, Steve Easton, Art Lafleur, and James Earl Jones. Tell me, tell me that you, tell me <laughs> you've been never, waiting for that one. Tell me you've never heard that before and that you made that up. I made it up. God, that's really <laughs> I awesome. Hate you. <laughs> People right now are rewinding <laughs> to go. Why are they laughing? Like, what was we're, we're, almost, we're almost three years in, man. Like, I, I, fuck yeah, I made that up. Damn, bro. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> all right. Writer-director Phil Robinson time. read and loved the, the book Shoeless Joe by W.B. Kinsella and wanted to ad adapt the story into a script. As Robinson was looking for producers and studios to back the project, it wasn't looking likely because the subject matter was too esoteric. Robinson went ahead and wrote the script anyway with Kinsella as a consultant. Producers Lawrence and Charles Gordon, who were at Fox, had left the studio and, let, and set up at Universal. Robinson brought the script to the filmmakers, and the studio accepted the task of production. Originally uh, called Shoeless Joe, the title changed to Field of Dreams per the studio, and casting was underway. Speaking of You've Got Mail, Tom Hanks was originally up for the part for Ray Kinsella. Hanks read and really liked the script, but turned the part down. Kevin Costner then got a hold of this uh, whole of the script and even offered to help with production along with playing the main character as Kevin Costner will do. He was like, yeah, I'll, it, it, cause it was the first time director as well uh, for Paul, Paul Robinson. Yep. Right. Um, Phil, Phil Robinson. Phil. And uh, so I imagine he was like, I got your back, buddy. If you guys I like you. I, I, uh, Waterworld, I'm about to do that. It's, it's, it's basically like Waterworld. They're like, okay, hey, Tom Hanks, he's, he's still reading it. It's like, oh no, guys, I just heard that Kevin Costner got a hold of the script. What? Oh no. <laughs> you know what he's going to do. He's going to take the part and he's going to produce the thing. Yep. So Kevin Costner got a hold of the script and was helping out. Amy Madigan, when's she going to be happy again, was a fan of the book and joined the cast. James Earl Jones, not, not the second time, apparently. No one liked nah. it. Was actually the person Robinson had in mind for the role of Terrence Mann as he was writing the script. Ray Liotta had the sense of danger Robinson was looking for in Shoeless Joe. Principal photography began on May 25th, 1988. Filming went off with... Relative ease, except for the production having to wait for the corn they planted around the baseball field to grow, which then grew too fast and too tall, causing it to engulf Costner in some of his shots, in which they had to lay down a wooden plank for him to stand on. 
The film was shot mostly in Dubuque and Dubuque County right here in Dyersville, Iowa. Galena, Iowa was used for Minnesota, and the production spent one week in Boston for the Fenway Park scenes. Field of Dreams was released on May 25th, 1989, and on a budget of $15 million, the film made a whopping $84.4 million at the box office, was nominated for three Academy Awards, including Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, and Best Picture. That's all I got. Well, thanks, Sean. We got to move on to AJ now. He does the research for us, gives us the ratings and reviews from critics and fans alike. What do you got, man? They may be growing corn out here in Iowa, but here in Confused Breakfast Land, we're working with the, the, the tomato, tomato Meter. I can hear the ghost outside. The Tomato Meter. The tomato Meter. That was a bad joke. Thanks, guys. You did really great. Uh, 88%. Ooh. Certified fresh. That is tied with The Matrix in the 36th spot. Wow. Per the critics. The Matrix. The Matrix. In the field of dreams. Yep. Okay. All right. Fair enough. There's something to compare there. And IMDb is going to come in at a 7.5. 7.5, boys. Tied with Beetlejuice, Batman, and The Warriors. Per IMDb is where this falls Pretty good company. Some Tim Burton, some Walter Hill. All right, Phil Just Robinson. Throwing it out there. Yeah, those are people. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I feel like 7.5 is like the you most like. Plebe. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know directors. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tim Burton. Uh. Uh, 7.5 to me is like, is like, oh, man, did you see that movie? Whereas like 7 was like, that's a movie. Yep. Seven's like. It wasn't bad. That was for a IMDb, movie. yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, critics out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start near the bottom. Rolling Stone. Uh, this is Peter Travers. To be honest, I started hearing things too. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just when Jones was delivering an inexcusably <laughs> Sappy speech. I <laughs> got drawn on got something. Me. Got me. That's great. <laughs> Inexcusably sappy speech about baseball being a symbol of all that was once good in America. I heard the words, if he keeps talking, I'm walking. <laughs> Peter Travers, man. Peter Travers did not like enjoy this movie. He gave it a 12 out of 100. That's wow. a 1.2 out of 10, guys. Um, we've also got uh, the Washington Post. They gave it a 50. Uh, for, this was Dessen Thompson uh, saying, this: the movie may steal a base here and there, but there are no homers. Uh-huh. Or is there? Or yeah, maybe I don't know. there is. Sports. Actually, sports is there? ball. Yeah, that's what I said. Is there? I don't think there is a single the, home. Technically, in this I think there is one that gets hit into the corner. I mean, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Jesus. So you asked. <laughs> Peter Travers and all his cool friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Washington Post. Okay. Yeah. To well, be honest, I started hearing whispers as well. <laughs> as well. <laughs> Oh, uh, we got guys. We got Rajiv coming in here. Hell he gave yeah. this a hundy out of a full hundy. Wow, yeah, he did. Uh, he said it's a religious picture, all right. Uh, but 
the religion is baseball. And when he doesn't understand a spoken message, Ray is granted a vision of a baseball diamond right there in his cornfield. As Field of Dreams developed, developed this fantasy, I found myself uh, being willingly drawn into it. Movies are often so timid these days, so afraid to take flights of the imagination, that there's something grand and brave about a movie where a voice tells a farmer to build a baseball diamond so that shoeless Joe Jackson can materialize out of the cornfield and hit a few fly balls. This is the kind of movie Frank Capra might have directed and James Stewart might have starred in uh, a movie about dreams. Uh, one of my favorite things he mentioned in this uh, review was that the movie sensibly never tries to make the slightest explanation for the strange events that happen after the diamond is constructed. He goes on to say, Field of Dreams will not appeal to the Grinches and Grouches and realists. It is a delicate movie, a fragile construction of one goofy fantasy after another, but it has the courage to be about exactly what it promises. If you build it, he will come. And he does. All right. That's funny. It's like he mentions uh, Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart. I think Jimmy Stewart, they wanted him to play Burt Lancaster's part of Moonlight, yeah. Graham. And um, I think, well, when Tom Hanks was reading it, he said this will be yeah. like, this is probably going to be like this generation's. Uh, he kind of um, knew it already. Like, like, uh, uh, what's the miracle? Jimmy Stewart. Um, um, oh, my God. Christmas movie. I was just wonderful life. A yes, wonderful life. It's a wonderful yeah. life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I got a few uh, uh, audience reviews here. Uh, this is in 1999. This is a 10 out of 10. Pure magic said Evan 35. Uh, he's probably Evan 56 now. Uh, no way. Field of Dreams. <laughs> It is a magical and enchanting film. It treats baseball like religion and rightly so. Burt Lancaster really shines in one of his last films. In fact, all the actors shine and so does the script. I seldom cry during movies, but I did during the end. It made me feel like a kid again and I'm only 17. I'm 12. <laughs> like Contrary to your screen name, sir. He was born in 35. Oh, he is a Oh my God! Did he come back for the field of yeah. dream? He's got a dream, yeah. and it includes baseball. So he's got back from the dead. These are all ghosts that we're going to be talking yeah. about. It's kind of a creep shell. Uh, honestly, we—that's something I haven't thought about while we do this show. Yeah, people who review these movies—they could be dead now. They might be dead. Well, this person's only seventeen. I was was only seventeen. Still, I hope not. Um, all right, Mike. How old were you in nineteen ninety nine? 99, I was uh, 17. <gasps> was this you? Yeah. Oh, man. Never mind. Uh, five out of 10. The best baseball movie ever? That's hard. Said Barney, 13. <laughs> What's with everybody just like, it, maybe this was 1999. Like, they it just was. did like first name and then like or a was number. Or jersey number. Or like, they was like, well, number 13 yeah. for, for junior high Lucky baseball. So. so many of the times it was like someone's favorite baseball player number. Yeah. I guarantee it. Michael Jordan. <laughs> 23, duh. Uh, it has been called the best baseball movie ever. So that means it beats such classics as the women's baseball star baseball film starring Madonna. And that's about the closest baseball film to it. So it sure is the best baseball movie ever, but it's still only worth worthy of five out of ten at best. 
So you can't name the other baseball movie. No, nope, there's only one other baseball movie that starred Madonna. It's the one that's got Madonna in it. Dude, it wasn't better than the one with Madonna in it. Duh. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't I, better than that. I, <laughs> that goes to show you, it wasn't better than that. This is a one out of ten, guys. This is the last one I got for you. This is Orwellian Wire in 2022 said overrated, outlandish, and less than okay. I seriously do not understand the love that this movie gets. It is pretty much the generic, uplifting, feel-good movie on drugs. The plot is absolutely nonsensical and confusing, but somewhat predictable. The main characters are absolutely insane, and there's there are no stakes in the movie. It It is beyond me how this was nominated for an Oscar. Three. Trace. We're about to tell you why. Yeah. Okay. Well, boys, here's how I know I'm getting older. I love the simple things in life. Like they allow me to stay home, right? Not leave the house. That is what I love as I'm getting older. Being able to learn how to cook properly and feed my family has been just that for me. Our longtime sponsor, Every Plate, has been the gift that keeps on giving. Every Plate is a home delivered meal service that has 26 tasty and affordable recipes that change every week. So it's easy to find something flavorful and satisfying for every meal of the day. Not to mention the 22 convenient sides, lunches, snacks, desserts, and more for add ons. Not only do I love these easy to follow step by step recipes, but they taste absolutely incredible too my wife is genuinely impressed with how it tastes and how good i've been at like making these meals she goes to put my little baby girl down i pop in some headphones i start cooking voila dinner is served and i'm the hero of the house but almost more importantly we are saving major money every plate america's best value meal kit is 25 percent cheaper than grocery shopping with no hidden fees so you can count on great value week after week plus only pay for what you need. That's the best part. You go to the store. Not only are you saving money by not going to the store, but you're you're not wasting food. Yeah. Because they're giving you pre-portioned ingredients. And it's 50% cheaper than your average fast casual meal. That is pure insanity. I've talked about how skeptical I was about meal, meal kits, but now I'm convinced you can get the same deliciousness at a much lower price. Saving money, saving time spent in the grocery store, and feel like I accomplished something. This is a no-brainer. Join me, join AJ, join Sean, and get a dollar forty-nine per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49confused. Remember, get started with EveryPlate for $149 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast, entering 49confused. That is a $110 value just because you listen to this podcast. That's huge. Try it. Love it. Well, boys. People will listen. They'll hit play on a movie podcast from Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll hit play not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll queue up an episode and listen, as innocent as children longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you listen to more, we'll say. It's free, but we'd love for you to join our Patreon top tier for $10. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it, for it is money they have and entertainment they lack. And they'll get to listen to bonus episodes on a perfect afternoon. They'll find that they get to vote on upcoming movies that they're dying for us to cover. Movies that they loved when they were children. 
They'll listen to us cover their favorite childhood movie, and it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic water. The memories will be so thick they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will listen, boys. The one constant through all the years has been movies. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again, but movies have marked the time. These films, these actors, it's a part of our past, boys. It reminds us all that once was good and can be good again. Oh, people will listen, boys. People will most definitely listen. If you podcast, they will listen. Here we go. And the Oscar goes too. I'm so I'm stricken with goose pimples. <laughs> so right scene one, boys. Ray Kinsella is an Iowa farmer living with his wife Annie and their young daughter Karen. While walking through the cornfield, Ray hears a voice that he can't explain. After stewing on it, he thinks he's supposed to build a baseball field in his corn. Annie is skeptical, but eventually agrees. And Ray spends their life savings turning a portion of the cornfield into a baseball field. Can we talk about this intro? Yeah. This intro, you've got old classic Kevin Costner before he learned to sniff. You've got unbelievable right. storytelling like this. I'm assuming that this probably came right out of the book. This the, the lines that Kevin Costner's character is saying here. You've got a little bit of humor mixed into this, like beautiful, vivid storytelling. You know, my father died a little when they lost the 1919 World Series. He died a lot the following summer when eight men were accused of throwing the series. Right. Anybody that's a sports fan can relate to that statement. I moved. We moved to Iowa and stayed with her family as long as we could. A full afternoon. About a full afternoon. <laughs> a few later, a few years later, Karen was born. She smelled weird, but we loved her anyway. Yeah. Like it, it's it. It reminds me of just like the, like such a great storyteller. And I'm I'm in. I'm all in at this point in this movie. Just going. This is funny. This is cool. Like, where are we going at this point? One of my favorites is I tried to like sitar music. Like, <laughs> we we smoked a little grass. We did. A little, <laughs> we tried to like sitar music. It's like that's. I feel like what happens when you listen to sitar music. You're yeah. Like, I'm not ever going to actively choose to listen to this. I think I think that's what roots out the uh, the real hardcore hippies. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, you're not you're not a true hippie. The ones that never Berkeley, made it back yeah. like sitar music. Correct. Once you're, you go to sitar, it's yeah. It's hard you, to come back. You don't stand back up. Yeah. Tar. Um, yeah. No, it reminds me of uh, like I, the scene in Coneheads where they do like the Kodachrome. It's that like sixteen millimeter film, and it's like the the montage of the family, like catching you up a little bit. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. It yeah. reminds me of that so much. Um, and yeah, I, I do. I do like the the like homespun like kind of home shot ish kind of aspect like this could have been like one of their uh film reels yeah, that they shot like while much. growing up you know yeah. um it does it does kind of get you into like especially the like the middle america kind of family ish you know what oh I'm yeah well and so i think this also proves another great point guys that um i i think i know that there's plenty of sayings you know once you go sitar you never you know, sit down again, you know, like stand what you're saying, R2. stand back, stand, stand R2. <laughs> um, but I think this is, 
this is something to be said. Once once you make it with an Iowa girl, you'll never need to do anything else in your life. Yeah, apparently. daddy. Because oh. yeah. Iowa girl locks it down for yep. a Ber- from a Berkeley Cali coast to coast boy. Not only does she lock him down, but she says we should move to we Iowa. We should come and back okay, to Iowa. I guess so. And here we are. And uh, I think it just it speaks to the unsung hero of this movie. Anyways, is probably Amy Matt again. You think yeah. so? Hopefully, she'll be happy again. One of these days. Um, yeah. That's it, one of these days she will be, but yeah, I think I think it it proves a point here about about her. You I know, like she it. is a she's probably the unsung hero of this movie. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so we did speak about it a little bit how how kind of terrifyingly frightening the voices are. Yeah. The way it the way it sounds, the whisper of it, you can tell it's like all encompassing. Like it's not coming from a direction. You're, he's hearing it like inside of his head. He, which did, he means, doesn't know where it's coming. Yes, from. Yeah, he has yeah. no clue where that's coming from. And the the score is pretty impressive in this movie. Like the, mm-hmm. the it's kind of like a low end thump whenever something kind of bad and scary is happening. Do you know who the voice was? Did you guys read up it's on this? Up all? for debate is like, from what I hear. It sounds like, like it's still a mystery. They yeah they it's the voice is credited as himself yeah. right. And it's a capital H, which maybe religiously is referring to God, like right. a voice of God. But what so they think um, WP Kinsella the thinks it's Ed Harris. Because right. she, he was married to well, Amy, he still is Amy Madigan. Amy Madigan. Hopefully she's happy again sometime. Yeah. And if you li- if you listen to it, maybe like there's some affecting going on there, maybe. Um, but uh, others speculate that it was actually either Ray Liotta, Timothy Busfeld, or uh, Tim or Kevin Costner. Yeah, but it kind of sucks. Like I want to know who it was, uh, or even I, Phil Robinson himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this is just a lot of speculation, but it's just where my mind kind of wants to go on this subject. Is that it's actually probably all of them, Ooh. and they kind of just ran them all together because there are times throughout the movie it sounds like a different person. Okay, yeah. it doesn't sound like the same person all the time, even when it's the same phrase that's being said like it doesn't it doesn't sound like the same person all the time and sometimes it doesn't even sound like the same person in the same phrase yes it sounds like at the end of it it gets deeper the the first part is a little higher you know it's It's really interesting yeah it's very layered because even when we have after we meet shoeless joe he's like there's more of us in there yeah there's more of them like assuming maybe that it's one of them talking to Ray. Okay. You know, it could be one or it's, more. It's sort of implied kind of when we get to the end that that uh, Shoeless Joe is the one that orchestrates this whole thing. Right. It's kind of implied that way. So maybe it was him. Maybe it was really Ray Liotta's yeah. voice. Yeah. I mean, you would say. think if, it, if it's implying that it is him, then Ray would do it. But Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Like, it's... Still up for debate. Like, yeah, they, and I, I it's something. Like it. It's something. Phil Robinson was like, I think we're never going to. I want to know, but I also kind of like that. It, they it, it is better that you don't know. It is better. Oh, it's just some guy that works at Casey's down the road. We just got him out. And you know what? That would be as amazing of a story. The 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 day that somebody actually finds out that, that guy they, would have talked. They exactly. You're right. But to find out it was some guy that they got from like the grocery store because they had to go pick up something because the catering didn't show up, <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, you got kind of a neat voice. Will you just come and do a voiceover real quick? We're just gonna save it for later." And then that's what happens. You know? Yes. The guy who did it doesn't even know. That would be hilarious. So right? he just. Like, do, do farmers? I mean, like, we are from Iowa. I don't. I actually don't even know like anybody who even owns a cornfield. Oh, in okay. Iowa, 
Uh, the corn owns you. <coughs> it's true. It's true. It's, it's a saying here. You guys should get used to it. <laughs> yep. In Iowa, um, corn owns you. Yeah. Corn farms you. <laughs> <laughs> um, do people go out in the middle of their cornfield and just like listen? I don't think so. He's shit. doing something. He's, like, out, he's there out there doing, doing he's something. He's got a shovel, <laughs> Is he, like, which post doesn't holding? mean anything either. <laughs> no. <So, laughs> it's not like that adds anything to like the meaning of why he's standing in the middle of his cornfield. <laughs> he might be inspecting crop. I don't know, but he's, he's got a shovel. Keep in mind, he's he was from the 60s. Uh, he might be high on acid at this point. Like <laughs> Maybe true. he's talking to it. Maybe he's just out there like, going, come like on. Like Madigan, hopefully she's happy again in the future, says she, uh, like, maybe it's you for from the future who hasn't done Ooh. Who, who is doing as right now talking to you oh shit she's very open-minded she's she very about open-minded. all of this she's it's it's, it's probably she's like a hell of a wife if you if you build it he will come and she's like are you talking to me because he already did we have a kid like uh, you know what I mean? Right in there. You and guys that's see sort that? of the opposite. Like, that? Uh, you wanna you wanna yeah. If you build you come it. to build it. Yeah. Shanice, this is <laughs> Shanice, man. I mean, hey, I would No, keep going. Why not? <laughs> well, let's hey, hold on, let's consult the Jarrett Layoff actor database. All okay. Right, right, of all one. the movies we have done, come there on. is one actor that has been in the mo that this movie puts them on the top. Does anybody know who it is? This movie puts them on the top? Uh, the top of, of any actor in this movie. Yeah. It would be, it's four movies. Four movies. This okay. actor's now been in four movies. So Kevin Costner is two? Yep. Yep. Only two. Um, Madig- we just mentioned her. Madigan is uh, Madigan's two. two. Same with Gabby Hoffman, the daughter. They were both in the same exact year. They were in yep. Field of Dreams and Uncle Buck. And Uncle awesome. Buck. Uh, May 5th was Field of Dreams. August 16th was Uncle Buck. I have Buck. one that you may not have thought of. Okay. Stan Grossman. No. But you, you saw him? No. He is, well, he plays Dan Grossman in Fargo. He's at the meeting where they're, where they're banning the books or whatever. Oh, okay. He's one of the guys that stands up and he's got, he, you know, so he's he's two now. I will say that. Larry Brandenburg? I believe so. Okay, so he was also in the see. Santa Claus. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm he was also in the Santa Claus too, so he was in three. No shit. It's a slight bit of a trick question here, but okay. it's Ben Affleck. Oh, ben man. Affleck has been stated no. as an extra at Fenway. He is an extra. Him and Matt Damon were apparently at Fenway yes. as uncredited people. And so we're we're counting it. Jarrett's counting it, so it counts. He's counting it. Okay, Which yeah. Puts right. ben he Affleck is the decider. <clears throat> Which, by the way, yeah, I, I think it at least puts him over the top. We're going to go ahead and call that. Okay. Four movies. Okay. Just to get back on track a little bit, though, I like please. I like a lot the 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 speeches that. Ray is making in this, like talking about that age old feeling of like when you transition from a kid to an adult of like having those feelings of like looking back at your own dad or adults and feeling like they were so old and then you're hitting that age and you're like, holy shit, I'm the age that I thought these, he says, I'm turning into my father. I never forgave my father for getting old. He was my age. But he was ancient. He was ancient, and he was my. He, he's the age I am right now, and he was ancient. That is a, a transcendental moment in your life when you're like, man, what did my dad was when my dad was this age? This was happening, you yeah. know, like it's crazy. Yeah, you, you know, I think about, um, I think about just, I'm just trying to think of when my dad had my uh, like my oldest brother, mm-hmm. right? He's forty. 
let's see, yeah, he'd be 44 probably this year is what he'll be. And so that means like my dad was like 20 something, mm-hmm. 20, uh, 24 or something when he had a first kid. Mm-hmm. By the time he had me, it was 10 years later. He was probably my age when he had me and four sons. And you think about that. And then you think about the time you start recognizing, like when you're like, what, 10 years old. And you think about that and you're, you see your, like, I see my dad and he's 40, but I think he's somebody, he's somebody older. You know, when you, when you were a kid and you saw high school mm-hmm. kids, right. When you were like in, in wow. elementary school, you're like, gosh, they're like old. Yep. Oh, wow. they're, they look like, man, they're, those guys are like full adults, but they're like seniors in high school. And now you look down at like seniors in high school. You're like, you are, you guys, don't you are, shit. you don't know shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I love about this movie is it plays a lot on on those feelings of it, like it really does. Tra- that transition moment of life and 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 looking back and like did I make the right decisions? Did I judge things the right way? Like that's what I really like about some of the the underlying tones of this movie. And the idea that, you know, there's that moment where he it has he's having these visions where he's he's like waking up again mm-hmm. and he and he says says my father never did anything spontaneous mm-hmm. you know but it's because he didn't ever really know his dad yes he didn't know his dad until and you and say he chose not to know him, and like, you, and then the the yeah the very sad thing yes. actually about this movie is that he literally made a conscious decision to not know him mm-hmm. and that's that's a that's a heavy thing you know that i think might get a little washed over from this movie mm-hmm. that you know, he says it again. He's like, you know, my my father died, and like he didn't know my wife, he didn't nope. know me. I didn't talk to him again. He's never met his granddaughter, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. And you you think about that, and that's a very very heavy subject to just think that your dad just never did anything spontaneous or never tried to do anything remotely interesting with his life in your eyes. You know, it's it's fascinating. It is. I I do like that sentiment a lot, but it is also like I do get to the point to myself where I'm like, yeah, but that's it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like that's kind of like the only underlying aspect philosophically that this movie really has to offer. You're right. I mean, does it? And I mean, like I to me, that's it's kind of just only hammers that home, really. I mean, other than living through like baseball vicariously like as as a marker of time you know yeah um i guess that's really i mean like i got it when it when it showed itself in the movie and i'm like okay what else and it was really nothing else for me i think we'll uh maybe we'll try to dissect that a little deeper because i do think there are some other things that maybe were more subconscious i think than that Okay. The, the starting out of this movie, I think it was like my third watch of this. I really was like in the beginning of this movie thinking like, this is the most ridiculous idea mm-hmm. for no, almost no reason other than the fact that this guy is hearing a voice and probably should just be like seeking a doctor. Do you hear there? Uh, apparently there was a... Um Deleted scene or two. Yeah. Uh, what was the what was the one? Apparently, he went to one like, of he, he was getting his hearing check. Get his hearing check. That's yes. really funny. That is funny. Like it is <laughs> yeah. funny. Um, I and and I love I love the fact that 
he's out there buying supplies or yep. something, and the other farmers are like, "Who's hearing voices?" Like Ray's what? Hearing like Ray's hearing voices. Ray is like nah. Ray's hearing voices. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just. It was a joke. You know, I just figured out somebody might know something about it. You know, yeah. I, don't I just know. figured like if I wasn't hearing them, something's wrong. Maybe with me, there's right? something wrong with me, right? <laughs> 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 Yeah, and and it is pretty cool. Like, so we are in the Field of Dreams house, like we told you, and yeah. there's something magical to me about when he finally builds that field and the lights are on and it's a baseball field. And they apparently did want to make like a wall for the outfield, and then they chose not to and just to make it the corn, which is just such the right choice. We just got to run around the bases, play, throw the ball around, hit some balls. At night with the lights on, like there is something magical about lights on at night, like like on a on a field. I don't know what it is. It it really is, and I think we both. I think we've all said it um, that we're not. None of us, I don't believe, are like major baseball fans, right? Like we're not like diehard baseball fans. Are you guys big baseball guys? I was when I was younger. I was pretty big baseball. Like I I religiously watched baseball. But but and are you doing that now? Like anything like that? And but there's a moment there and did you guys play like Little League as a kid? Like I feel like in Iowa that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know about did you ever play Little League Sean? No. Inside kid. Oh, that's right. Inside inside kids. Sorry. Yeah I wasn't a mud kid, but I did play some baseball. (laughs) But there is something about there is something about I didn't slide into bases. I just if I couldn't make it there, it's fine. Uh, uh, I don't know how to slide. My mother said if I get my jersey dirty, she'll kill me. I can't slide in these pants. They'll stain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they'll stain. How do you have a how do you have a lisp on the word stain? Um, but I think I think what's interesting is the moment that you go to a, a, a baseball game. The moment that you're able to walk onto a field and walk the bases, run the bases, be able to hit a ball, to be able to like stand out there and like see how big it really is, mm-hmm. you know, there's something that really takes you back almost to, to. It could be nothing, but it takes you back. It makes you feel something, and um, I, I think that that is a big deal. And think about how how different this movie would be if they did in fact put a wall there, and it just you wouldn't make sense. You didn't have. Those players walking out of the corn. What are they going to walk like through a wall? over the wall? Yeah, like they're like going to like climb over them like weird zombies. Like, no. come on, no. There's something very, very special of them walking yeah. out of that corn. Hundred percent. We did kind of bring it up how Amy Madigan. Hopefully, she gets happy again. Uh, yeah, is yeah. very is a very like good supporter of him, and I just like in a world that's normal, other than this movie. If it was like, yeah, I'm, I, I think. I think this voice is trying to tell me that I need to build a baseball field for Shoeless Joe Jackson, who is dead now. Um, and so I think that's what I'm going to do. And if, if Amy Madigan was just like normal, she'd be like, uh, no. No. Okay. The end. You know, <laughs> movie's over. No, you're not doing that. That sounds fucking. But instead, no. she's like, <coughs> that sounds like a grand idea, sweetie. Go ahead and just do that. All right. All right. We'll see how this goes. Like there's there's a difference between like like you feeling like if the conversation was like, I don't know, I just feel like my dad, he just never really did anything spontaneous with his life. You know, he just worked and he, that's all he ever did. I never knew him to do anything. I feel like I got to go buy a guitar. <laughs> and it's like, it's fine, babe. You Reasonable. know, like you go buy that guitar and in your spare time when you're not finishing the crop, 
you can play that guitar. You can sit on the on the porch swing and learn Big that guitar. Fucking difference to say, you know <laughs> yeah. what? I'm gonna undercut our entire our like our our cash crop, mm-hmm. um, so I can build a a vanity baseball field. <laughs> Spontaneous is like wearing pink socks on Mondays, <laughs> exactly. you know, like out in the field or something. Like, you know? Yeah, spontaneous it, is like, oh, I'm I. I'm, I'm gonna wear my hat backwards today. You I'm, know, I'm gonna I'm gonna join the uh, the pool league on Thursdays down at the bar. Yeah, that's spontaneous. That is, that's spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> it's spontaneous is like randomly grabbing my wife and dipping her and kissing her. But yeah, that's it. That's and it. That's it. And maybe something will happen later <laughs> on in the night. You know, that's spontaneous. That's fun. Yeah, it's a good building time. a baseball field is uh, fucking crazy. <laughs> psychotic <laughs> and everybody call and it's for that again that is funny how movies are where if you're invested in in the main protagonist you're just like yeah of course and you see the all the people on the road like with binoculars like what which i gotta believe doing? i gotta believe our actual iowans they have who to saw be. the who saw the camera crew there oh, and yeah. like, oh my god sweetie Oh, yeah. But but them you're kind of mad at him you're like what why are they judging him like he's doing it for the voices and then Duh. He's doing oh it God. for the voices. He's doing it for the voices. <laughs> yeah, like, the, but that—that's how—that's how you are as a viewer. You're, exactly. just, you're just going, yeah, of course he's doing. Yeah, this, this has been justified to me. Hello, look, look how, how, you don't feel the justification. Look how cute this is. Him plowing his entire cash crop, yeah. telling his, his daughter, daughter about shoeless Joe Jackson. Yeah. Did you? Okay, so I'll, I'll say this before we move on. That did you guys kind of? I don't know if you read this or you heard about heard this idea that the baseball field that's built out here technically on this property on the property of what he probably owns it's about two acres worth of land that this baseball field takes up okay and so you think about that and like those two acres compared to like what he actually has we're in assuming corn, he's got a, a giant he's gotta you think like let's just say it's like it's it's a it's a decent sized farm something around like 60 to 70 acres right okay so he takes up two of his acres worth of corn that you're getting at that time we'll call it probably about 30 maybe 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 25 cents an ear maybe that might be generous actually that might be super generous i don't know let's call it 20 cents an ear okay you're fine yeah okay you're fine. The land at that time, and Ray says it at one point. It's like, yeah, it's worth like twenty two hundred dollars an acre. Is what this land so is 5, worth. Five thousand bucks. So a year. like maybe like five grand or something like that. On the grand scheme of things, he's doing just fine. Oh if, yeah. If five, if five, well, no, and if five fine. grand is going to bankrupt you, yeah. like you're not in the, the right. You know what? You're one bad year away from losing it all. Correct. You're one bad like yeah half season away from this just going belly up. You're going to be fine. Trust me. Two acres ain't going to bankrupt you. <laughs> Boys, speaking of corn, we got to talk about today's episode sponsor, Cedar Ridge Whiskey. Come on now. The best whiskey in the Cheers. entire world. When you are sitting at a place like the Field of Dreams and you got to hit baseballs on the most iconic baseball field in the world and you're in your home state of beautiful Iowa surrounded by corn, you drink Cedar Ridge Whiskey. That's what you do. You pick their their flagship bourbon and you make a little cocktail. You make a little old fashioned and you sip on that. Or you grab the American quintessential single malt, the greatest single malt ever made. And maybe maybe you just pour that over rocks. It's like one big cube to just bring that flavor out and just cool that burn down a little bit. Or maybe 
you talk to the other Iowa staple, Slipknot, and you yeah. ask them what whiskey they drink Fuck yeah, and damn. what whiskey they collaborate with. It's Cedar Ridge. They got one called Number Nine. It's incredible. Blends Ryan Ryan uh, Bourbon together. Cedar Ridge has been with us from the start. They are the only whiskey that we consume and actually enjoy because everything else, you know, what do you say? People equal shit. People everything equal else shit. equals shit when well, it's compared to Cedar Ridge. You got that right. I'm just saying you got to go to cedarridgedistillery.com to learn more. Get some ordered straight to your door. Find out who sells it locally. Go pick it up in a store. They are the best. We fully endorse them. Cedarridgedistillery.com. Cedarridgedistillery.com. As American as apple pie. Baseball. So is Cedar Ridge. <laughs> so Ray waits all year and nothing special happens. One night the next summer, Shoeless Joe Jackson mysteriously appears and Ray plays baseball with him. Joe returns again with several deceased ballplayers from the 1919 White Sox team. Soon after, Ray is told by his brother-in-law that unless he gets rid of the baseball field and returns it to farmland, he will go bankrupt. Bankrupt. I do like how when he does have the vision... Of he hears the voice again and he sees the vision of the the field the, the, the baseball, baseball field kind of implanted into his corn crop. It might as well just be like a big ass neon sign. Be like, do it right here. It's like the right Beetlejuice here. sign. Yes, exactly. Live nudes, <laughs> <laughs> right here. Like. I always thought as a kid though, because drive of your wife. Nuts. <laughs> I always thought as a kid though, because the vision. The field is actually like opposite. The, yes. the, the I always thought that that's why yeah. Shoeless Joe didn't show up for a while. Okay. It's like Shoeless Joe's going like you fucking did it wrong, dude. This ain't how it was that's like, not how we you literally mirrored it. I gave right? you the vision. That's not how you you, uh, you got it backwards. We'll make it's him fine. wait. We'll make him wait through a whole season and then we'll show you know up. What? You know what? I'm gonna make him wait. I'm gonna make that guy point. wait. You know what's really funny is not only let's let's still play along with the movie, obviously. Like it's like not only did he did he undercut and or, you know till underneath his cash crop pull up the land all that good stuff right then he instills and in, or installs maybe the largest drain of electricity <laughs> on his property yeah why wait time out actually whoa hold up a second why is he assuming that it's gonna happen at night right yeah wow and by the way wow by, by the, yeah you're a farmer who works all day through the live long day yeah and then at night you, like you go to you eat probably at Five thirty-six, and then as a farmer, you go to bed at seven eight. Yes, you go. Yeah, you go to, to wake up at three in the morning. You need to be up. Yeah, that's like you need to be up by like four o'clock, right? Like at the latest is in in my head to make sure that you're up and ready to do what you need to do. How on God's green earth <laughs> is this man <laughs> justifying this additional expense? And I like to think he's like he's got this on like. Like the, he turned on the lights, he's got him on like the entire time, just hoping like somebody's gonna show up <laughs> every night, and it's just blaring through their windows, like it's keeping them up at night. Now you just find out they're actually just delirious for, and sleep deprived, and that's why there's these mysterious characters showing up on their property. <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll tell you what though, it it is a little creepy. Again, this is a creepy moment to me when oh, they dude. look out the window and he's just standing like we look out, turn around and look out that window. And, and imagine you could see a dude out on that field just standing there. The problem is that it's pitch black I right know. now. And like, <laughs> if I turned out there and there's just like a guy a in an old, old timey baseball suit hanging out out there, I'd say, hey, 
like just just take this soundtrack, replace it with the signs soundtrack. You got yourself a horror movie. Yeah. Well, it, it is kind of scary. Like it makes that boom, 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 boom when they see him out in the field. I just got uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And then they flip the lights on. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is well, a ghost movie. This is a ghost movie, man. Like this is spooky. That's why we're doing it in spooky season. And, uh, you guys fucking got me. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, Next, children of the corn. <laughs> I do. I do like that aspect of it too. I mean, like where it is, like they don't, they don't ever be like, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> hey, it's Joe." It's, yeah. it's like, fuck. There's a guy. There's yeah. a man standing out there. <laughs> it's, it's never like, but you know, it's but like I, it, it's it's the right tone they go for because it is like, is this what's going on? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just get a recut of Field of Dreams, but get a recut with 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 sound spikes, like with jump scare noises? <laughs> the moment they look out the look out the window, no, it's the same thing from sign with yeah. signs when they see him on the roof. Yeah, that exact like same exact same. There is sounds. a legit jump scare later on in this movie with James Earl Jones. Oh, dude, like like no oh, bar oh, none. Oh, the yeah, car turns around. Percent. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That Ter- is a jump scare. Borderline terrifying. Ugh. Oh, yeah, dude. What do you guys think about Ray Liotta as Shoeless Joe? Number one, Ray Liotta can can do no wrong. Ray Liotta as a baseball player is brilliant. Is he probably shoehorned into this role? Yes. But he's an amazing actor, and I just there, there's something about him. <laughs> Let's be honest, guys. They're like, "Hey, you're gonna play Shoeless Joe Jackson." Okay, well, tell me about him. Well, he's a lefty hitter. He throws right-handed, um, and then also he's, he's from not the south. from New York. Yeah, he's from the south, so he's got kind of the southern accent. He's, he's actually kind of a very quiet, guy, quiet, very nice guy, very, very nice temper, guy, you know, yeah. temper, like very mild temperament, all that sort of stuff. He's like, okay, okay, that's great. I'll uh, I'll do a little research and I'll come on back. Doesn't do any research and just comes back. He's like, hey, I'm Ray Liotta. I'm here to play the part. What are my lines? What are my lines? I'll if you build this. it, he will come. Okay. Thanks, okay. Ray. Cut. Print. I guess we got it. He and he plays this man like he plays this very kind of cocky like, yeah. to think he's sort of like my cat. Like he's out. He's out in the field and he sees Ray and he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, there's a guy. Sup, bitch. And he just goes, he's going to hit me balls. And he just assumes he's going to like hit balls to him. It's like my cat. When he sees me walking in the kitchen, my cat just goes food. <laughs> like like there's you, no conversation you she's like you're gonna give me food yes you do the thing you that's understand what, that's what she was you understand our relationship right yes you understand this right you built me this house so you, you hit me fucking me ball shoeless and i am in your house now and so you give me food shoeless joe's like you built this baseball field are we not gonna fucking play baseball ray Throw me one of those balls. Shoeless Joe Jackson may be the most <laughs> assumptive, pretentious SOB. I agree. Ever, because he's like, because at this point, you have to assume that it is Shoeless Joe who said, if you build it, he will come. I don't feel like you assume that at this point. You don't? No. At this point, you're like, oh, he came. Like, he, like Shoeless Joe's the one that will come. But, at, at okay, fine. Right? But he's like... Well, Shoeless Joe Jackson showed up, and I and and he even says he's like, I think I have to build a baseball field so that Shoeless Joe Jackson can come and play baseball. Yes, there you go. And he's like, awesome. He showed up. Hey, I don't have to tell you who I am. Bat balls to me. Mm-hmm. 
and then also maybe throw some at me. And then and then later on when you when you set something on the counter, I'm gonna push it off. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? But also, I do I do think that it's good casting. I know we're kind of joking about it. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's good casting of how, especially how Phil Robinson described it. I and mean, he's like, I wanted to cast him because he does have that like edgy, ominous kind of tone to him. And he really does. And speaking of the creepiness factor, it's like, you really, he's a kind of unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really like, is he, like, does he want me to throw balls to him? And is he happy about it? Because he never smiles. It's no, like, ever. It's a plate, you won't. That, that's <laughs> yeah. very true. You know, his his look his look or expression very rarely ever changes no. too much, and then Ray Liotta does have a very timeless you know f- he has very timeless features. Mm-hmm. So you know he very yeah he very well could be from the 1920s mm-hmm. from the you know early 1900s or from the 1980s or wherever. You know his look is very timeless. Um, so I think that does certainly play to the to the casting of it. Yeah, I I do love as well just like the. Uh, the miracle moments that films have sometimes when they're just blessed, you know, Yeah. when he, when Kevin Costner is the pitch, like, how about oh. you? How about try one of my curve? Hey, see if you can hit my curve. And he hits it and he hits the, the ball bag right next to it. It was one not supposed to happen. It just no. did it. And Kevin Costner got right out of the way and, and just, knocked and, the and ball bag the over. Yeah. It's fucking like, and Ray Liotta stayed in character. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's like a, a magical moment and it's, it is really, really good. We call it a lettuce moment. Is yeah, we yeah. Call it's it. lettuce moment. We yes. call it, we the call it the drop. breakfast club lettuce drop. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. We've coined shirt. that. Shirt. Put that, that on a shirt. That's what we call it. Yep. Lettuce drop. So then finally, then, then uh shoeless Joe comes back and brings all the other players, the eight men out. There are others, That's you right. know, there are others, you know, um, I, f- I freaking love their like banter and great like, Bambino's fr- back. That's what I'm saying. The friendship of all of them. Yes. Art LaFleur. This is his third appearance. Cause he was also in Cobra. That's yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Dude. This is Art LaFleur's third appearance and like loving him going back and forth when he's like, Hey, at least I got muscles. No, at most you got at muscles. most you got muscles. <laughs> I love it. Dude. Oh, dude. It's, it's so good. And, and there's something very special about the idea that they're fully aware of what's going on. Yes. They aren't like ghosts who are like, oh, we're just back, you know, and it's they're, 1918, they're- 1919, and we're just playing ball. No, they are like, they know they've been dead. They or lived something. their whole life yeah. and died. They lived their whole life. Then- they came back as these guys at this, from yes. this moment in their lives, and they're able to come back and play baseball again. They're, they're at that. They're at that uh, changing point of their life that they never got to play baseball mm-hmm. again. And I honestly just realized why these guys are, why everyone is showing up at this point in at the specific point of their life. When we get to Doc Graham, yes. I'll, I'll elaborate. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just kind of touched it on is, that. Don't forget like, that because you I will. I won't forget. You will. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I will forget that. It but is very, remind we, need, we need to remember that. It's very, um, smart in the way that it's very efficient that we don't need much much explanation about this at all where it's just like yeah they died and they just want to play baseball again yeah that's that it. was the and best I, moment i feel it best passion of their life and yeah. they want to do it like, again with their friends I, that's I, it you don't need to like you don't need any more backstory than that like nope. he built he built the baseball field so dead people could play on it like it, yeah it, fine it was my favorite part that i really wanted to make mention of in roger ebert's review is that they don't make the probably mistake of feeling the need to explain mm-hmm. any of this, you know, take it for what it is, take it for what it means to you, move on, you know, 
I'm gonna Either hit you're in or you're out at this moment. Sorry. Oh yeah, no. I'm gonna hit the punchable face button. Hit it! If we were on a train to yes. go punch a face, yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. My most punchable face in this movie is Amy Madigan, her mom. Hundred percent on that train. Screw this old lady. Screw her dumbass face and how she's so mean to Ray. And she's like, I really think it's rude that you make jokes at other Try people's expense. Try and make expense. us feel yeah. dumb. Make make us people feel the the move that she does when she walks away, she's like, <laughs> yeah. like she does it as she walks away. Exactly. That's like, that's we're we're done. Yeah. You're not my mom anymore. No like, wonder. I never want to see you I tried again. to live at your house a long time ago. I made it a full afternoon. No wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why you're here. Like. Like, why are, what are you, are you holding your coin purse? Yeah. <laughs> Think somebody's going to steal it? You're holding it close to your body? You've been clutching your pearls the entire time you've been here. Yeah, get out of here. Ugh, I'm, I th- I'm gonna agree with you on that. Yeah. There's some. There's a couple others, but I think yeah. she's the one. I mean, I, think, I guess you could say her brother, but yeah, yeah, he comes know, around. Hey, yeah. you know what? If, if he's a good character, if yeah, he is. You know what? Uh, yes, I think I think uh, wish Alibaba Richard Dreyfus <laughs> <laughs> could very well be punched. The, the one guy who played the twins in Terminator Two. The one guy, you know, yes, he could be punched, but I think the mom deserves it for yeah. birthing him. So yeah. yeah, there you go. I also think that's kind of interesting. Upon this rewatch, here is like. I love how these these baseball players sort of end up being like like Ray's best friends. Yeah, you know he's out there watching them and interacting with them, and like when they all go into the cor- they're walking away into the corn and they're like giving them shit. You yeah, know? Ray, oh, Ray, because like I don't think Ray has any friends. Like I really Doesn't don't seem think so. I mean, he's, no, he's, he's moved out not like a. A farmer. He's not in like the farmers guild. No, he's the <laughs> youngest <laughs> farmer around. He's got his family at home. He's not from here. He has no friends here. Exactly. He I just. This is kind of cool. This is sort of his like. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely um, was like a misunderstanding for my younger self. Like, oh, he's just from Iowa. You know. Yep. No, he's not from Iowa. This is completely foreign to he him. He said the furthest place away I, I could move. Iowa it was Iowa. Yeah. You know and. and you know, it's true. When you live in a city coast, like on a, either of the coasts, and then you come to a town like this, if you come to small town Iowa, and, and it's sometimes it sucks because you see, you do see the tropiness mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. small town rural America, like him being in the uh, like the supply store. But you're right. You know, it's like, dude, have you ever walked into one of the rural gas station also like greasy spoon restaurants and ever seen the old boys sitting around talking over coffee at six 30 in the morning. It's dead on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's dead on. So I, but I, like, especially where you live, Swisher. It's, oh, they, oh, they all gather in that little supermarket. Thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> dude, it's hardcore. And, and you will get looked at weird if you walk in and you've got, you got to, you got glasses on like I'm wearing. Right. Um, <laughs> but I guess what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, you're right, he is completely out of this. It was a misunderstanding that I thought he was, mm. he was from this area, but he's not. I mean, he's completely out of this. And I, my favorite part of that whole thing of them knowing them now is when he swears, but he's like, hey, take it easy. You know, you got a kid over here. Oh, sorry. 
Sorry, kid. It's like, it's okay. It's I okay. don't mind. I don't mind. It's like, yeah. And everyone's just like, yeah, yeah Karen. Karen all right. Right. There's shit, something like really dude. special about there that. Is. I thought it was really cool. I do like <laughs> when the when the brother and, and the family are like, who's out there? Like, who, who are you seeing there? Karen's like, the baseball man. You don't see the baseball man? Cut to uh, Zach Baggins and Ghost Adventures. Just like, where the fuck are you? Ghost? Where are you? <laughs> Throw me a strike, Ghost. Bedazzle jeans. Put me in, coach. <laughs> just like yelling at the ghosts on the baseball field. Come out of the corn. Take it easy, John Fogarty. God. Jeez. <laughs> you know, you're just like, like you're <laughs> like, so like the, the crew of, of ghost adventures comes here yeah. and like goes into the cornfield. Dude. Like punches I, corn and shit. I just, <laughs> <laughs> Come out of here, ghost. Idea, the idea of just them just like whipping around, just be like, turns out it was corn hitting more <laughs> corn. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Oh, God, I want that so bad. <laughs> well, let's move on to scene three. So Ray hears the voice again, which prompts him to drive to Boston to take author Terrence Mann to a Red Sox game, which he envisioned in a dream one night. After much convincing, they arrived at the ball game. At the game, Ray sees a message on the scoreboard telling him to find a 1920s ball player named Archibald Moonlight Graham. Terrence saw it, too, and they decide to drive to Minnesota to find him. So, okay, well, the, the whole point of this book, uh, well, the school kind of assembly book burning agenda thing is just to introduce the character of Terrence Mann. I think so. I think it's I think it's one to to give uh, Amy, Madigan. Amy, Amy Madigan like a moment, which I fucking love. It is great. She does really good. in it. Like when she slides out of the room and like hits the locker. Dude, it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah what's it's like the 60s all over. Yeah. I yeah. think I think that's one moment. But I but I do think you're right. I think essentially it, it sort of provides a little bit of backstory on Terrence Mann, which is weird because this is pre-internet age. So everybody thought Terrence Mann was like a real author that they just didn't know about. Right. It was supposed to be J.D. Salinger, like legitimately. Yeah. And so they, right. they call it Terrence Mann. But but it's got such a deep backstory and there's so much information about him that people are like, he's got to be real. Right. Terrence Mann. I thought Terrence Mann was a real author ba- yeah, based on this did. movie. It's cool. I mean, like they, it was like they're both of their favorite authors, you know, like, and like I, I believe that because of the backstory we got of them going to Berkeley and hanging out with each other and reading and yeah. smoking pot and shit. I like that about it. I do like the aspect of her standing up for these books, yes. you know, um, where she's, she's like one of the, the ladies, the shithead lady com- comments is like, yeah, well your husband's crazy cause he's building a baseball field in, in the corn or whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's a stone cold fact. It's not even like a burn. It, yeah. yeah like, it's we like, all that's, know that. that's literally what's happened. I don't, yeah, you know, it, it's like the it's the telltale sign is that when somebody just knows that they're losing an argument exactly. or probably in the wrong, if they just go s- straight to insults. You play ball like a girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is it is a really powerful moment and like uh, for for her character, especially. And I think it shows I think it shows like how it gives a little bit more character development to her character yeah, and, her, yeah. and just her open mindedness and where she came from, you know, what, how she grew up and, you know, what she did in the 60s. And I, I do. I, I really like this scene a lot to think about your question. If it's just to introduce Terrence Mann, um, it seems like it's the only route. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I only was, path how we got there. The, the few, the first few times I watched it, I was wrestling with myself on my mind. I'm like, that's it though. Like this, this is just the scene to introduce him, and that's it. But like, how else are they gonna do it? I guess like. Well, you really I mean, you, you want some character moments. You want you want to develop a story a little bit more. You want to we want to get to know Amy Madigan's character a little bit more. Why don't we just do it like this? I I totally get it. it. I was a little conflicted about it at first, but now I'm not. Yeah, I will. I will come back to that later. I think of of what the importance of that scene is later. I okay. think. But we obviously get James Earl Jones again, who's making his third appearance. By the way, yeah, Sandlot coming to America, but. He's literally in two of the most famous baseball movies ever. And like we talked about in the Sandlot, dude hates baseball. <laughs> like crazy. literally just Isn't has no passion or concern for the sport of baseball. Do we whatsoever. know what sport he likes at all? No, I don't know. Is it out there? Star Wars? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, fencing. Yeah. yeah, fencing. I don't know. Fencing. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> That's nice. But yeah, I mean, isn't it crazy though that he's... He's so involved in these two baseball movies and known for these like passionate speeches about the sport of baseball. Yeah. And maybe that just proves how unbelievable an actor is. I'm I, just I gonna fucking, say I fucking love James Earl Jones. <laughs> he like the the man the man to his detriment has become synonymous with baseball. And he's like, whatever. And like he's like, stop. He's he is basically Terrence <laughs> yes, Man of baseball. Yes. He's like, stop quoting me as like loving baseball. I don't <laughs> like baseball, damn it. I gave that up. I ran the home office for damn baseball. Did you actually know Babe Ruth? Don't Stop asking Stop me. Stop asking me if I actually know it. Do you like dogs? I'm not actually bl- <laughs> I'm not actually blind either. It's like God. I can see you. I'm just but a freaking actor. Fuck, he is so good though. Like how he flips on a dime so many times in this movie. Like he'll be so angry and then he's like, want a cup of coffee? Want some yeah. cookies? Yeah. Oh, okay. and, what and, can I get you? <laughs> and even I'm telling you, they get to Fenway, and like this might be my favorite scene of the movie when when Ray's like, yes. hey, what do you want? And Terrence Mann says, I want them to stop looking to me for answers, begging me to speak again, write again, be a leader. I want them to start thinking for themselves. I want my privacy. Uh, no, I mean, like, what do you want? What do you want? Like, oh, and the three dog guys and a beer. Dog and a beer. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> three guys. It's, it, the, the three guys are watching him, and he, and, he, and he just got done with this passionate speech and goes, oh, yeah, dog and a beer, I guess. Uh, so two beers and two hot dogs were seven bucks. Seven dollars. Yeah, which is very probably very expensive. That's right? probably Fenway Park. Let's say that's forty forty dollars. Probably now, probably two hot dogs and two beers. AJ's doing it. I'll and get like you. Good, and like good ballpark beers yes. too. You know. Oh yep. yeah. Uh, seven dollars in nineteen eighty nine. Um, is. Seventeen dollars and twenty six cents. Okay, so product has gone up way too much. Yeah, I was gonna say um, that would be a lot more. Are yes. you? Yeah, like, and, and those weren't big beers, mind you. If you see that cup he put up there, it was probably like it was at best a sixteen ounce beer. True, looked like a twelve ouncer. So let's just say that two twelve ounce beers, two dogs. Let's say the dogs are probably a deal at like uh, six bucks a pop, maybe five. There's ten. The beers are gonna be eight dollars a piece. Oh yeah, dead minimum. Those are ten dollars beers. Those Maybe are ten dollars beers. Ten, twenty, thirty. That's there that's that's thirty five dollars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's outrageous nowadays. Like, come on, let's get back. Let's Surprised get back if they're it. not charging for fucking condiments at this point. Um, so we we you kind of brought it up at, 
uh, in the beginning of this that uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were in the supposedly yeah. in the crowd there. Um, but I thought I did think it was cool. There was another story that I read of. Uh, I think Phil Robinson directed The Sum of All Fears, which yes. uh, Ben Affleck was in. And Ben Affleck came up to him and was like, hey, good to work with you again. And Phil Robinson's like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, and then he explained the story. He was like, I was an extra in, in Boston when you filmed Feel the Dreams. Which obviously means like at some point Phil stood up to address the crowd and be like, here's what we For need sure. from you. Just pretend. And so yeah. Ben's like, <laughs> hey, thanks. I'm in a movie. So that's really cool. I, I like that a lot. How was like. And like even Kevin Costner still gets today. Like, did you know that those two superstars like, we were no. in the crowd? Like, Why would how would everyone ever know any, that? How would I know that? I'm Kevin Costner. Why would I know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't developed a sniffing problem yet. Duh. Uh, but it is cool. So like, he takes them back, and I love how they sort of their 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 conversation is sort of developed into more of a friendship. Like. What, what did the voice say? It said, the man's done enough. And they shake hands. Yeah. And you know, and then you get to that. I That moment scared me every time I saw it as a kid. Go when that distance. car turns around. Yeah. Like, what? why is that so scary? Is it the noise? Because it does make like a... Yeah. And it, and the headlights are reflecting in his... It's just the way he's standing there, too. He's like emotionless I mean, still. And yeah, it's, it's, it's ominous. It's because he knows. It's because he knows. And he's also been given now... The cold shoulder, because you see it at the field. Mm -hmm. When you watch back, there is a moment that you can tell when the when the baseball sign is flickering yep. and and showing everything, and it reflects, and you see Terrence Mann just go a little bit more rigid, just a little bit, and and it just speaks to to his acting, to James Earl Jones acting one more time, mm -hmm. right? Of just how amazingly subtle that moment mm -hmm. has to be. Think about how many times you could potentially have to reshoot that because you tell him you were too you were too obvious that time. Mm -hmm. Think about how often that could have happened. So, and then you see it, and the fact that he knows, but he's been told now by Ray, nope. I apparently maybe I just don't need you anymore because you didn't hear it. You didn't hear it, so I must not need you anymore. I'm so sorry. I wasted your time. And he's contemplating whether he's going to tell him or not. And then he, and then How he's like, "How far does he want to go down this hole?" I have to, I have to I stop him know. because I, ha I heard it. I know what I heard, and Ray's lying to me about it. I have now. to say too that is like an undirectable sort of uh, thing for an for a director to say yeah. to an actor. Like I guess it could be in the script, or the director could just say, you know, you you do you too see it. And you realize exactly what the character of Ray is realizing in, the, in this moment. That's what you would say to an actor to do that. But you can't art like you can't have them articulate so their face hard. well enough like James Earl Jones would do. You know, we can That's articulate an actor's it. choice. Yeah, we can articulate it because we've seen it happen now. Exactly. Like, yeah. how do you articulate that to make it happen? Hey, give you me know? your best in this instance. It takes me ten minutes to even explain the context to you, kind of thing. Right. That, that's just an actor Wild. being brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, scene four, Ray and Terrence travel to Chisholm, Minnesota, but find out that Moonlight Graham has been dead since 1972. On a walk, Ray discovers he's been transported back in time and gets to meet Moonlight Graham. He tries to convince him to come to Iowa, but he will not leave. On the drive home, they pick up a hitchhiker who turns, turns out to be a young Moonlight Graham. This, um, this... <clears throat> Like got it got me this time around when they're talking to people about Moonlight Graham. They yeah. found out he died. Especially the guy, the old man who talks about the blue, the oh. blue hats. Yeah, like he, you see that in his eyes of like, 
how fondly he thinks of this man. And I remember thinking, man, what a what an incredible actor this old who was this old guy. But then you read that there actually was an Archibald Moonlight Graham and the people that Terrence Mann, Mann is interviewing in the bar were people who knew the real Doc Graham. Mm-hmm. And so they found out about the movie and the inclusion of Doc Graham and they yeah. drove from Chisel, Minnesota to Iowa and the stories they were actually sharing were true stories about Moonlight Graham. It's really cool. Real people sharing real stories. Yes. It's sort of like, it felt like Interstellar a little bit, like yes. the, the old people saying the old, and you're like, how, how did this really happen? Like, do they, did this, are you, they're so believable. Just in injecting it. this sort of realism into this movie, especially this movie that's kind of outlandish in its, in its plot of like ghosts coming to play in a cornfield, you know? Um, these real people talking about this real person and telling it so convincingly that, you know, you as a, a viewer, like you were watching, were just like, that's, they seem real. And then they are, it just makes it even more tangible. It makes it like, makes you feel like you can grasp this movie a little bit more than, than you could if it was just kind of just a ghost story. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's incredibly grounding. Yeah. You know, for, for the story, <laughs> you're right. It, it's, it's incredibly grounding for because you can tell that those people aren't actors like there's that little bit of a, a titch you know like that you that you catch that you're you're thinking that that they don't have the actor's cadence mm. yeah you know what i mean but i like that but you love it because you're like god that's honest they don't have to act because this is the truth no this is the truth I, it just like, needs you to tell the to story too where i'm just like i'm sure at their age they're, they're not like as maybe well maybe they are aware of james Earl jones but like they're like, yeah, come come to uh, Iowa and tell us stories about your friend. And like, okay, sounds good. Uh, who's interviewing us? James Earl Jones. Who? Uh, what? I'm sorry, what? You mean the guy in the in the new movie, the with the stars and the wars? You mean the stars and the mean, wars? My grandson loves that movie. So, so you mean to tell me that you're gonna come come here about a baseball movie about an unknown baseball player and have Darth Vader interview us? <laughs> well, not gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> what they don't know either was is that. He doesn't fucking like baseball, so so I'm sure this James Earl Jones. Great. Like, okay, so this Archibald dude, oh what what the what fuck about, about him? Oh my, god. oh my god, whatever. There, you know what though? The end of that, the end of that, when that old gentleman just says, I "Bet you didn't know that about him." And James Earl Jones is looking back at him with his glasses off. He says, "No, I didn't. I didn't." And you're just like, "What a moment!" God, I, I got choked up, man. Yeah. yeah. That's a, who plays uh, old Moonlight Grant, Doc Graham? Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. Man, uh, like he nails it for me. I, I, agree. I, I don't know what it is. Either all of a sudden this transport back, which by the way, those street, that was Chess, uh, Galena? Galena, Illinois. Wow, go to Galena. If you're Gorgeous ever, little, if you're ever making the Super trip cool. here to Field of Dreams, like yeah. obviously go on to Galena, Illinois. It's right across the border. Stop in Dubuque as well. Yes. Yeah. Great, great places in there. But yeah, Galena is amazing. And, and it all makes sense now that you said that. But yeah. he just. He knocks this out of the park, man. Like he really shows you the the good guy that this Doc Graham was. And here's where I think there's some there's some underlying tones of this movie of what you don't you don't pick up unless you're really studying this. Like Moonlight Graham has that conversation about how he got in, you know, he got in, he was playing baseball, and at the time I didn't think much of it. You know, I thought there'd be more. There'd always there there'd be another chance, and then there wasn't, right? And he says, you don't recognize the most significant moments of your lives as it happens. 
thought there'd always be other days. Didn't realize that was the only day, you know, like that is a, that is a deep lesson to, to when you think, Oh, there'll be more time. There's more time. I got more time to do that stuff. And then you don't. And, and it's, it's such a, that's such a deep cut, which I think is one of the underlying themes of this movie is just that like, take it as you got it, do everything full speed because you never know when another path is going to call you, you know, and, and he's so passionate about his being a doctor. He won't leave town. He's like, no, this is where I got to be passionate about my wife, passionate about my job and my patients, you know, but man, I loved baseball. Well, and I, I, th- I think it's, it's maybe this is where the message becomes possibly the most powerful, um, and I love that they're they're more than willing to run over all of the fantastical aspects of this and not feel the need to explain them. It felt like it almost gets to a point. So they could get to this point now where they can literally express to you like what Jer- James Earl Jones is saying at one point. He says, well, of course, like think about what would have happened if he did get one more chance to bat. All the people in this town would have been changed mm-hmm. dramatically because this... Doc Brown didn't show up and potentially save lives. All the good cure he did, illness, you know, help a kid. Maybe he helped other kids from not choking. Maybe he helped lots of kids or lots of kids and people live better lives who went on to better things because he didn't get that last, that second chance, that well, next at bat or play baseball conti- or continue to play baseball. And it's symbolism of, of being a parent too, of giving up hopes and dreams and being like unselfish for the first time in your life, because now you have to take care of kids and a family, which is what his dad did. Right. His dad gave up all of his hopes and dreams to, to raise Ray, you know, and that is what essentially Moonlight Graham did to just say, I got to give up all my dreams because I have more important things to take care of. You know, it's, it's, it's deeper. I feel than than you can really see it on the surface. But it's also, Pointing into the fact, like giving those dreams up, maybe, but not forgetting about them. Yes, because Ray is fulfilling one of his yes. dreams yeah, right he, now. Like literally, call, uh, uh, making a call to his dream that's calling to him to do it. You know, and then his the people in his life are supporting it too. So mm-hmm. I think that's another thing about this movie. When, when I said, you know, I only got like the father son aspect from it. I guess it is also as well as just keeping those dreams in mind. And not, not letting however crazy they are, get in the way of of like kind of a, you know, just get in the way at all. You know? Yeah. Like keep those like do, how whatever you need to do, keep those in mind and maybe fulfill those one day. You know. Yeah, I I think and I I think this is that this is that point. Uh, see, I didn't forget. <laughs> there, there we go. It is. Uh, that you know that I I really came to realize that the moment it's the moment in all these people's lives when they didn't get to play baseball anymore, you know, that's when he is finding them or when they are coming to him to play this field again. And that's what makes the meaning of this movie is the field of dreams. It's to make their dreams of baseball come true again. Um, because they never got to fulfill their dreams of playing Big, big major league ball or continue to play baseball. 
you know? Why don't we have a stage of dreams, guys? So I can nah, just go. Come on. Why can't I do that? Let's build it. I just somebody will somebody please build a stage of dreams Games so I can Oasis come in Iowa City. And uh, <laughs> you're damn right. Stage of dreams. It's the stage of dreams, so you can go and play again for people. Yeah. Play music. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do like the aspect of what they they kind of gloss over. Kind of was like uh, he says to James O. Jones character. He's like, you're missing what? So something like his son or something was yeah. like, dad, where the fuck? Like, he's not answering his calls. He's not. I, I sent a letter to him. He's not even answering any of those. He's it's elderly. Like, I better make a call. I was like, yeah, yeah, I bet you. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Damn. Did, did you? Well, did you hear the theory it's that so maybe he's maybe Terrence Mann's actually dead? I believe it. I, I've heard that maybe Ray is dead. Oh, no. Yeah. I've, everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. Oh. Everyone. Is dead. Every movie theater is just that they were dead. It was all a dream. Everyone is dead. Well, Terrence Mann is kind of interesting though, because like, yeah, he's been reported as missing. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's been kind of a recluse. Like, I could maybe see how perhaps well, maybe Ray did actually kidnap him and maybe accidentally kill. Maybe him. he had a gun Ooh. in his pocket. Mm. Yeah. You're a pacifist. Cut to cut to ghost with Patrick Swayze, <laughs> the the God. clay pot scene. Yeah, just ter- just Terrence Mann Terrence and Ray Man and Ray just going, uh <laughs> <laughs> Cuts to <sighs> oh my god! I've wanted this. <laughs> You're talking about wait. I just want to make sure that this is a clear picture for everyone, that Sean is making sure that you're able to picture Kevin Costner being uh, cradling James Earl Jones' hands, forming pottery. Making a baseball out of pottery. Making a baseball bat out of this with a baseball tip. We're moving on. all I've been thinking about all day. We're moving on, guys. Fantastic. Congrats. Thanks, man. The final scene, scene five, back in Iowa, Moonlight Graham joins the game and does well. Karen falls off the bleachers and Moonlight runs to help and is transformed to his elderly self. Terrence is invited into the cornfield and a younger version of Ray's dad appears. They talk and have a catch. People begin to arrive at the field as Karen has prophesied. So Ray says something to, he's talking to James Earl Jones after they picked up Frank Wiley. Um, Archie. uh, Archie. yeah, Yeah. Uh, they um, he's he's t- explaining to James Earl Jones' character that uh, uh, sorry Terrence Mann, um, he's like I said something awful to my father like as soon as I like the last time I saw him or something, mm-hmm. and then like he kind of shuts up, and it cuts to them driving by at night and like six hours later, what was it you said to your dad? <laughs> he's, been, he's been thinking about it forever. <laughs> what the fuck? He's been thinking about it forever, man. There's a lot of time cuts, so man. Like, well, he's a little it's old. It's a long Maybe drive. He from took a nap and he's like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry I fell asleep, man. What were you saying about you? You were dad? talking and I fell asleep. That's my fault. I thought you weren't interested. I was. I opened the door for you to ask. And you yeah. never <laughs> That's all. Boston to Iowa is probably like a... 22 hour drive or something like that. That's got to be an intense yeah. drive. And then, I mean, I have to imagine too, where he calls his, he calls Amy Madigan. Hopefully she gets happy again that, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I, we got to stop in Minnesota. Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, um, I'll take care of the farm. I'll, cool, I'll, uh, I'll take myself. out another loan. You know, I'll, uh, I'll put my, I'll put the barn up. 
all the barn animals up for collateral for for right. a mortgage payment and everything. That's fine. You just go to Minnesota. You just go. You you go do your thing with Terrence Mann. Oh, you gotta author. go. Oh, you gotta go to Minnesota. You gotta go to Minnesota. Yeah, that's cool. No, you go to Minnesota, and I will just continue to stave my brother and his vulture friends off. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds cool. real good. Yeah. I love, again, I love Ray Liotta in this scene too when like Archie actually shows up. Mm-hmm. Ray, Ray Liotta like walks past him and just kind of stares him down as he walks past like rookie. Shoot, let's hit rookies. 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 And then you even get that moment where like Mark walks across the field in the oh, middle of I the game. That. At, like, cause he doesn't see the baseball oh, players yeah. playing, and that is a that I don't know how many times they would have done that scene, but that is a perfectly timed pitch. Like Mark just passes the line, and the ball goes behind him, and they ah, what's he doing? He's walking through the field. So this this will raise a question: that what makes it so Mark can see them now? Why can some people see them and some cannot? Why can they see him and he cannot at one point? What is it that changes? It's never explained. No. I, I will tell you, this might be, this. Is, I'll tell you what was explained to me when I was a kid. I don't know why, I don't know why somebody decided to tell me this when I was a kid. Somebody told me that he couldn't see them until he saw, until he saw uh, or experienced the prospect of death. And I don't know if that's has any validity or not. But when did he experience that? When Karen, Karen fell almost died oh, and was sure. almost dying okay, because okay. she was choking. I always thought it was because of because Archie Graham now has come into the real realm of of the world from the yeah. ghost field. He crossed that line and now he is a physical being in this world that he now sees him. So maybe now he's able to see the rest of the players. But he saw all he's seeing, all he would have seen at that point is another ghost version of Archie Graham. Yes. But he's not still- another, not, not the young version. That old version is still another ghost Correct, version. Correct. Yeah. So why is he able to see this other ghost version and he not the baseball that plane of rocks or whatever, you know, that little I guess. invisible plane that everybody's yeah. scared to walk over. Yeah. I, I do know. also like when Karen, I mean, I don't like, but like when Karen falls, <coughs> Um, uh, uh, not shoeless Joe. What's his goddamn name? Fucking Moonlight. Moonlight's like, was that a fallen child? I heard. <laughs> he just sort of does. He steps out he of the line to see everything. It's like he just walks right over and has a satchel that he doesn't use. Like, oh well, this this child's choking. Yeah, you fucking right as rain. Slap that kid up and now just there we go. <sighs> I just love how he deals with like. Doctors back then were just like, beat it out of them. Yeah. Here's some whiskey. Yep. Haptic <laughs> feedback. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but it is it is kind of cool how they all, you know, they all treated him as this as this rookie and and kind of gave him shit and hazed him a little bit. And now he's the old doc and it's very reverent in how they speak to him. Like, doc, yeah, right. doc, everybody. Way to go, doc. Him, way to go, doc. And, yeah. and that, that, that cool moment, Shoeless Joe's like, hey, you were good. You know, like, like, and that smile on his face, like, this was everything I ever wanted. It, it, it was is, to spend one day batting the ball around with some of the best players in the world and have them think I, I was relevant and I did something. And that's how it you was know, the dream for him. That's yeah. how you know that it's Iowa and not heaven because that's it for him. 
Yeah. It just goes. <laughs> you know, I, I would figure in heaven, you're just like, well, I'll just come back tomorrow and I'll be, I'll be young again and I'll be able to play with you guys. And like you would think, right? You would hope I in guess, heaven that that, no, would be, that would be the... Some weird rules of how now you're old and you can't go back to being young. So no, there, you, there are rules. No. There, uh, there this sounds isn't, like this isn't NOM, guys. These are rules. <laughs> okay. Well, so. <laughs> it just begs so many questions. Like, what is in that corn? <laughs> like, where where does Terrence Mann actually go? Like, is he only allowed to go there because he is dead? And like, is that a is that some weird purgatory place where everybody just hangs out and... Because you you would think it's like heaven, but but why would they ask if this was heaven if yeah. they came? It's such a it's kind of a bit of a mind trip to understand what where they they even came from or where they're going back to. Yeah, and 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 I think I think the um, the idea that we don't see Terrence Mann again um, certainly adds know. adds to the mystery. What does does he actually come back? Right to write the story that he yeah. that he's so excited about, it, it, and that's what you talk about again. Some more underlying meanings. You see all these people that are affected by this. You've got we talked about Moonlight Graham teaching us the lesson to like um, always live every day. You know, like you never know when you won't have another chance to do something like this. Mm-hmm. I think Terrence Mann teaches us to not lose the magic, not lose the spark of life like don't become old and jaded like keep doing what you're good at and keep pushing the line of creativity and don't just get don't become a recluse like give your gifts to the world because he did that and then he faded away from that and now he's got this excitement back in his life of like like he's so happy now compared to how he was when we first met him, and he's giddy, and he goes to the corn, and he's, he's de- gonna he's gonna write a story about it, and he's yeah. he's back. He was denying himself. Yes. every every uh, you see it at every aspect of this movie when he has asked about what he's done and what he wants to do and what he likes out of life, and he denies it every step of the way. I never gave that interview. I never said that about mm. baseball. I don't want to go to a baseball game. I want people to leave me alone. I don't want to write anymore. And like it it is, it's that whole thing. He's like, he's denying himself. He's become so jaded that he's denying himself and you can't do that. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the lesson. Like you're saying, all these characters are all giving us these lessons. I, that's what I took away from his lesson. I will say hippies are pretty insufferable. Oh, a hundred percent. And they smell. (laughs) Yes. You know, you're a bit of a fucking grateful. So they're asking, is this heaven? Incredibly nice. Like, no, it's Iowa. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. So they, if they aren't, if this isn't heaven, if the cornfield isn't heaven, then let me just say, let me just postulate, postulate, postulate that where they are is just an everlasting locker room. No, okay. And it's just, it's just dudes like in jock straps going like. You ready, ready to throw some throw some balls out there, AJ? Yeah, I can't wait. We only got about another eighteen hours before we can go back. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I don't like this. So that's why they think a cornfield's like this is the greatest. Yeah, place I've ever so been. as soon as they get out of the locker room, they're like, "This is the best." Well, you have to ask yourself, like, it, it also it also shows like they they just came back. It's not that they were in heaven. You have to ask yourself, well, where are they? Because, hey, do you want to come with us? We don't know where they're going. Nope, they don't. Because 
and and I think I think that that fact that they're asking that question altogether means that they're not really they don't know or they don't know if they are in heaven or going back to heaven and coming to Iowa. Why are they asking? Is this heaven? Yeah. Why are they asking that? Yeah. They're not from they aren't coming from heaven. I think that's kind of the magic of it. I, I is that I, we don't get answers to any of this stuff. I kind of like that in this sense. Sometimes I do want answers. Sometimes in this, I'm just like, I don't know, but yeah. I believe it. I'm whatever. It's true. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing how many questions you're not trying to ask yourself throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. It really is amazing how many times you're not trying to ask yourself. I think it's because they move on so quickly. They do. And, and, and they don't pay any mind to it. And, you know, and they're asking enough questions for us that we don't need to ask anymore. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm good with that. We just move on. It's very interesting. And the dad comes in, and it's very emotional. He's like, you want to have a catch? Tell you, you what, guys man. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Balled my eyes out uh, at the you end know of what? this movie. Uh, this, there's, there are different watches that like uh, probably came very close. I think it's very interesting because you kind of think about that. Uh, you know, I think about the lost pastime of mm-hmm. I did play little league and I did. I used to have a glove and a bat and you know balls that we could go out and play play with at any given time. And if you ask me now, um, it would probably be an example like what we saw out there <laughs> that I don't know if I can even run and mm-hmm. catch and hit a ball anymore. You know, and I think that's another part of this that. Uh, you know, when if you have a kid or planning to have kids, that to have a catch is is probably a special thing because of whether or not you, how much you can really do at that point in your life. Um, so yeah, there was a couple moments that it it definitely hit me though throughout this movie. Um, but no, I didn't I didn't cry like an absolute baby like Mike. It just admitted. I, did. I was so. a, I was a fucking bubbling mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, and like it, and it like, hits you though, dude, man. It I, really I, does. I have a I have and have always had an incredible relationship with my dad. He's yeah. an incredible dad, mm-hmm. and I love him to death. And like, and so this this doesn't affect me in the way of like, oh, I never got to tell my dad that right. I love him. You know, like, but but that that's such a special bond of father son. And now I like want to make the right decisions for my daughter Willa. And I, I, I want to make sure that she and, and myself have a tight bond for the rest of our lives, you know? And, and, and you, they talk about the guy that did play the dad, uh, Dwyer Brown, Dwyer Brown. He apparently was notified that his father passed away like right before filming. Mm-hmm. And so he went to the funeral and then traveled directly from the funeral to filming for this scene. Can you, and like, you can mm. see it in his What's face. my motivation? Yeah, <laughs> you already got it. Yeah. yeah, you you got it, and you can. I feel like you can see it in that scene, and it's, it's impressive. And actually, being from Iowa, I did talk to three different people in the last couple of weeks and told them I was going to Field of Dreams and doing the movie. And they told me that when they were kids, they were in the car lineup as that final. Oh, wow! As that final shot comes out, they said that that was like a huge deal in town. That oh, pretty bet. much everyone in town came out here. They blacked out. The power grid in Dyersville, which is further in the distance, so that yeah. you could just see those cars, and it's like a very proud I mean, moment as this we community. Were, as we were pulling up, I'm like, "Is this the road, AJ? You think this is road? Like, it's got to be. Like, we're yeah. it's the only road. You it, know, it's funny. I made the joke. Like, you can you can you can tell the 
because of the way that it is. <laughs> and then like it was like a joke, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, yeah no, you absolutely can because of the route that that road takes. You up could even to this see farm. like even on your map. It was yeah. Just like, yeah, that's that curve. That's the one I yeah. recognize it, you know, from that. And and it was there was like fifteen hundred people or cars lining this road. To up to this place, they blacked it out. It was a town meeting, and I guess they, they were they were excited stood still, right? Yeah, like they, they weren't, weren't actually they driving; they were just fl- flipping on their brights, which and, makes sense because they had to keep doing that shot yeah. a couple yeah. times. I'm I mean, guessing. it's not like they actually have anywhere to go. Yes, you know, but at the same time, you think about that—that that there is a lot of community yeah. behind that, and to make that work is really that's really special. Well, you guys got anything else? That's it. Before we give modern day ratings real quick, we got to give a huge shout out to Driving Cap Digital Marketing. They're the ones that do our website and update our ratings every week on that website that you guys get to check out. When you work with Driving Cap Digital Marketing, you are guaranteed to have an amazing experience. They handle all aspects of your internet presence from websites and e-commerce stores to social media management and copywriting. They even have a graphics department dedicated to custom logos, templates, t-shirt designs, and all forms of print media want to measure your website success they offer free analytics and reporting on every website they build with offices around the country and design projects worldwide no projects out of reach they have also worked with all kinds of businesses from touring rock bands in australia to record labels in boston to the number one steakhouse in tempe arizona they've designed websites for refrigeration companies custom guitar builders automotive fabricators sushi bars airbnbs and so much more they even help the best damn movie review podcast on a regular basis that is us let's go the best part they offer 100 free quotes on all projects just go to drivingcapdigital.com check out their latest work and request a free quote whether you need a website created from scratch or are looking for a rebrand driving cap is there for you driving business driving passion driving cap all right we have dissected this movie with a modern eye we got to give it a modern day rating aj you get to go first on this one what do you got go first aj I, I do think that this is a movie that is really hard not to get emotional about whether you're a baseball person or not. And I, I say that before Sean's rating of this. But I really do. I think I think that there's something there's something behind this for uh, a like a, a lot of different folks. It always makes me think about like, you know, my years trying to play baseball. I played little league. I was not good at it. I was at it a hell of a time, but you know, I still had those moments that you're able to go and uh, like play catch with your dad or do something along those lines. And uh, you know, my dad brought me back uh, a baseball from field of dreams, you know, when I was a little kid and I didn't understand, you know, really what it meant that there was a big, you know, Hollywood movie that was filmed right here in Iowa, you know, only a couple hours from where we lived. And that's, that's a big deal. And I still have it somewhere in that little plastic clear case, you know, baseball case Mm -hmm. that I'm, I got to dig it up. And so there is something very special about this movie. I think it's really tough not to, not to find something to be emotional about in this movie. Um, It will dig up all the feels. And I think the performances are wonderful beyond that. um, I really do think that there's something special about this place. Um, And it reminds you how special it really is to be, be from this state mm-hmm. and it's all um, we got man you know <laughs> it's all we <laughs> got we got um we got corn we got some baseball and uh the field of dreams and, and but you know i i do i think it i think it's something really special that uh for at least a glimpse you know people recognize 
you know, there's, there is something special about this area. And if you get a chance to come here, I really hope that you take the opportunity. I do think it's probably one of the best baseball movies that's out there. I'm trying to remember what I gave Sandlot. An 8.5. I think that that makes perfect sense. Um, and for me, I think that this falls about right in line with that. So I think I, I'm going to match that at an 8.5. 8.5 for age. Sean, what about you, man? Uh, yeah, it's cool being here. Um, it's really cool being inside the house and being able to run the bases and get some time with under the lights and everything. Um, as far as the movie goes, I, I do think the performances are really great. I really do like Kevin Costner in this. Um, I'm excited to get to more of his good performances later on in the, in the show. Amy Madigan is underrated in this. 100%. Uh, I really like her a lot. Burt Lancaster, great fucking choice. James Earl Jones, always good. Um, I think the the writing, the script is is solid. It's, it's a really, really uh, fun story to follow along. And I I agree with, I think it's Roger Ebert who's like, we don't make story like we don't make stories like this anymore. Like without, it's got to be a fantastical element, or it's got to focus on that, and it's got to be that, or it's got to be real. You know, it's not. It's there's no inje- injection of like a real story with a supernatural element to it, and it, yeah. and then and the uh, story treats it as like it's just fine. I like that about this movie a lot. I do think the the pastime of baseball is kind of timeless and sticks with you. Um, but uh, it just does not do it for me, guys. Uh, it's it's I I really just kind of think this movie is fine, and um, I I think maybe more subsequent watches for me as I get older might increase this rating a little bit. But as I watch this movie today, it is a fine movie. It's it's a movie that I could put on and fall asleep to. Um, it is a movie that I put on and did fall asleep to, uh, in these rewatches. Uh, but this is just a movie to me. This is a seven. I thought just a movie was 6.5 for you. 6.5. Let's go it. Damn it, Michael. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm asking Sean what he wants. Wow, dude. 6.5? 6. Let's split the difference. 6.7. 6. 6.7. All right. 6.8. Gotcha. <laughs> I I don't know, guys. I, I seem to love this movie ever more and more every time I watch it. Maybe it's me getting older. Maybe it's the lessons that I feel like I've, <clears throat> I've found in deeper meanings of this. Maybe it's having a daughter. Maybe it's being here. Maybe it's what it represents for the state of Iowa. But I've said everything I, I said in the review. I, I, I think this movie's amazing um i think it's a a great lesson and very rarely in a movie like this am i just like fine with i'm just like i'm fine i don't i don't need an answer for that usually i'm like give me an answer for that this movie i just don't care i'm i'm an 8.7 on this one wow executive producer josh miller says i can't really say this movie gets better every time i watch it but it definitely doesn't get any worse i feel like this movie will be an 8.2 the rest of my life i know i gave my modern score already sure this movie could be overwatch but it's not a movie that you will watch on repeat or regularly it's either a movie you watch one say it was good and never watch again while i may while it may not be loved i can't imagine someone hating it at worst it's a sean 6.5 it's a movie (laughs) wow holy shit dude it's best is anything above that and that's okay it's a movie you don't watch for years and catch it on tbs or tnt looking at you aj and finish it and say man i like that movie or you meet someone that has never seen it and watch it with them 
I feel like it's timeless. Sure, the movie is showing its age, but that's because it was made 35 years ago, but it also hasn't aged a day. Does that make any sense? Hell, even the book banning censorship has has once again become relevant. And while I knew this was this going in, the underlying plot details only grab me more with every watch. This movie really hits home with me as I've grown up and my dad has gotten older. All of those sports I mentioned above, my dad was instrumental with my success and failures, all of them. And I've never turned down a catch with my dad as he approaches 80 and lives 2000 miles away from me. It's hard to stomach that I may have had my last catch with him. He still has catches with local kids and the adults who suck at throwing, as he puts it. If I have had my last catch with him already, I won't have to live the rest of my life knowing I left saying something I'll regret. Lastly, I've become so much more aware of how I think and watch movies. Can I change a score to a previous movie that I've reviewed now that you guys have done it? Sure. I want to change my score to basketball. It was my first choice as an executive producer. It was the first movie chosen by us as executive producers. Yeah. The excitement of choosing a movie, becoming a regular part of the show, it being one of my favorites of all time and getting to hear you guys talk about it. I was drunk on power. AJ changing his score for Just Friends really hit home for me. So if I can, I want it does to, for a lot of people. I, I, hope. I want to change my basketball score from a ten to, a, to an eight point one nine. Okay. So yeah. first of all, so we're allowing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so first. first of all, this movie comes in at an eight point zero three. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams comes in at an eight point zero three. So I hang love on, that. hang on a second here. Um, so I just said that a Field of Dreams is an eight point zero three. Fellas, that's going to take it to the number 33 spot. Just below Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Happy Gilmore and the Matrix. Just above Karate Kid, Beetlejuice, American Graffiti is where that's going to lie. Wow. I wow. like that. That feels good. Yeah. Now, to address basketball. Yeah. I mean, that's very a 10 for basketball. 10. Josh, boy, uh, oh boy, what did he say? He's gonna. I get it. Hey, no, we get hey I, dude, you 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 were spot on with my deal about just friends. What the hell was I thinking? These movies I'm not saying excited, dude. I, I'm not I totally saying what the it. hell were you thinking. I'm just saying, like, you're right. You know, sometimes we get a little drunk on power. Cobra, so, so Cobra's a what damn. nine for me or some shit. I hope so. So our scores were very low on that. So he takes us down to a group six point three two. For a modern day rating, basketball currently sits at a 6.78. So that's going to drop it down to number 101, just below Mall Rats, just above Weekend at Bernie's. Wow. Feels right, doesn't it? That, that feels that better. That feels really good, actually. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Josh. Well done, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed here being here for the episode. We're so glad you were here. Tune in next week. We do Young Guns, followed by Spooky Season. Woo! Let's we're gonna, go, we're starting off a huge lineup of October movies and brunches with Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Going to be a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I'm, I'm back up, baby. Also, if you're new to the podcast, go back this time last year. Ace Ventura Pet Detective was Ooh. our episode. It's been a year? Yes, it has. Wow. Controversial. That <laughs> is crazy. Just movies, though, so it's fine. But what's not crazy, guys, is you hanging out with us this entire time us recording inside the Field of Dreams house, doing this episode live for you. Uh, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Make sure you catch us on some social media, at Confused Breakfast. Just search for Confused Breakfast, guys, anywhere for, for that. Make sure you're watching us inside the Field of Dreams house on YouTube. 
because it's going to be on YouTube. Oh, I think it's that camera right there. And uh, <laughs> and last but not least, please leave us a five-star review because we would really appreciate that. Write us a review, too, uh, because we love to read them in the pastime, just like baseball. Go to Confused Breakfast. Actually, before this, um, we didn't do a prop. Uh, I'm not sure we can pick a prop because nope. a lot of them are here, and we could actually steal them. We're actually them. walking away with a great gift basket from the Field of Dreams movie site. Yeah. True. That's true. That's our props. Wonderful folks. We literally already have our props. Go to ConfusedBreakfast.com and get some of your own props of our show. You can get some shirts. You can get some stickers. You can get some koozies. I think Gates. you can get some buttons that say, where are the parents? Uh, go to ConfusedBreakfast.com and also see all the ratings that we have of all the movies we've ever done individually and as a show together. I love you. Whatever you can do and dream it, you can do it. I love you. Bye. Two ways to support this podcast. One, check out our sponsors of these episodes directly. Every Plate, Cedar Ridge Whiskey, Driving Cap, uh, Digital Media. You got to check those guys out. Number two, go to Patreon dot com slash confused breakfast support this show sponsor this show directly you get a ton of extra perks and we are produced by upload media group craig and logan came all the way out here to make this happen and to help us do this upload media group.com and we are part of the cloud 10 iheart podcast network learn more at cloud 10.fm that's it man if you end it we will go Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.